Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. You know, getting a word from God isn't always the easiest thing. When, you, when you've been preaching for a long time, a lot of times you rely on things you, you just simply know. And yet, it's such a huge responsibility as a minister of the gospel to hear God's timing, to hear what God wants to say for the moment, because for the moment is the most important thing. You, you don't need to hear something that you're going to need next week. You need to hear something that you need today for the coming week. Come on, come on everybody say amen. So it impo- it's very important. And I, I, I received some things from the Lord uh, that really are inspiring and really going to bless your life. How many are open to instruction this morning? Amen. Amen. See, if we're open to instruction, then God will teach us. And if we're obstinate and, and, and rebellious, then, of course, we'll leave here as we came, unchanged. But there's not a service where God doesn't want to change our lives, want to instruct us and teach us. So I'm going to begin in Matthew 1. I'm going to simply read Matthew 1 the, uh, 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 out of the Message Bible, 18 through 25. It'll be on the screen for you. And it's regarding this wonderful visitation from God to planet Earth. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. And before they came together in the marriage bed, Joseph discovered that she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph chagrined, and I love this part of it, but noble. Determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. You can see he has the heart of God. While he's trying to figure out a way out, he had a dream. God, thank God for God dreams. God, the Bible says, God's angel spoke in the dream. Now Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate, hesitate to get married, get married, for Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus, for the, his name means God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. So everybody say, thank you, Lord. Now, this would bring the prophetic, excuse me, the prophet's embryonic embryonic sermon to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Then Joseph woke up, and he did exactly what uh, God's angel commanded him in the dream. Did you see that? He did exactly what God, he did exactly what God called him to do. That's where we get in trouble sometimes. God says something, but we don't follow through and do exactly what he says. Okay. And then, um, uh, and the Bible says, uh, and he married Mary, but he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby, and he named the baby Jesus. How many are grateful that God is a patient and enduring God? This prophetic promise, you know, was spoken Seven, uh, actually spoken 4,000 years before it came to pass, and it's actually found in Genesis 3.15 where God spoke the destruction of Satan when he said the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. That word head there means your position of authority. He's not going to have the authority that he once had. How many glad that Satan doesn't have the authority he once had in your life? He doesn't. Now you have the authority of God to keep him under your feet. Amen. And the Apostle Paul, uh, so anyway, Jesus Christ was born into the earth for an eternal purpose. And Paul confirms this in 1 Timothy. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul writing this, and I love this part. 
and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ, I am the worst, I, I love that same, I am the worst of them all. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that parable in Luke, the 18th chapter, where um, uh, a, a Pharisee came in to pray along with a sinner, and the Pharisees prayed and said, boy, God, I'm so glad I'm not like others. <laughs> I'm so glad that I'm so awesome. I'm just an awesome guy. <laughs> and I don't sin, liar. <laughs> and I thank God I'm not like this IRS agent beside me or whoever it was. I'm not like him. No, Paul says, recognize everybody's in the same boat. Amen. We're all the worst of sinners. Can I have an amen? I mean, until we accept Christ in our hearts, you know, right? And so, but anyway, he says this, um, uh, and I love this part, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others, others will realize they too can believe in him and can receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. And everybody say amen. amen. I love that. Hallelujah. So Jesus had a purpose to save, to come into the world to save sinners. Hallelujah. And the Bible says actually it was a mystery that only God kept, kept secret in his heart um, so that he could fulfill it in due season, which was here at the birth of Jesus. And Paul, he uh, confirmed this also in Ephesians 3. I, I want to read this because these are important to see. Paul says, though I am the least deserving of, uh, um, for I am the least deserving of all God's people, he was a Jew, he graciously, God graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Now, I was chosen. I, say I was chosen. I say it again. Say it like you mean it. Yeah, you were. Paul says it here, but you were chosen. I was chosen, the Bible says, um, uh, to explain to everyone this mystery plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Everybody say Amen. Now, we know Jesus is the word Jehoshua. It means Jehovah saves. But the word Christ is not Jesus' last name. The word Christ, means we could say Jesus the Christ. It is God's anointed. The word anointed means to be touched with or to come in contact with, which is why Jesus came to this, so we could be touched by and come in contact with our creator. How many are glad that you're part of God's family today? Come on, raise your hand. See, this is so important. I'm so grateful that I'm part of the family. Amen. Years ago, we sang a song. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Amen. Joint heirs with Jesus, joint heirs with Jesus as we follow, as we travel this side. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Amen. I said amen. See, music is a beautiful thing. And I know sometimes our kids kind of chuckle at us for the music we like. But it was never the music, it was the words. It's the words. Just like when I write music, it's the words that I get... I'll sit down and I'll sing one of my songs on the piano and I just sit back and chuckle all by myself. I laugh all by myself. <laughs> Why? Because I just get a kick out of God, how he just gives us, you know, gives us things that, a spiritual insight that we can be inspired by. Amen. I said amen. amen. I wrote a song years ago called, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And this is what David said. Everybody else in Israel was moving a different direction. David said, you can do whatever you want to do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Said out loud, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Amen. So important that you, that you hold that in your conviction. Okay, now, so God, oh, listen, yeah, so the word Christ means the anointed one, to be touched by God. Hallelujah. So God, in the birth of Jesus, came in contact with his creation, both physically and spiritually, both naturally and supernaturally through, through um, Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Luke 1, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, this is, remember the angel Gabriel came to her and said, the Holy Spirit's going to hover over you, and um, you're, you're going to give, give birth as a virgin to the Son of God. Mary said to the angel, well, how can this be since I have no intimacy with any man as a husband? Then the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a shining cloud. And so the Holy One, I love this, pure, sinless thing, the offspring of God, shall be born of you, and you will be called the Son of God. And verse 37 says, the Amplified, for with God nothing is ever impossible. No word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. If you, if you believe that, say Amen. So every born-again child of God experiences the overshadowing of God's spirit as he breathes the eternal life of God on the inside of you. Say this out loud, I'm eternally alive because of the Holy Spirit. Amen, and you are, praise the Lord. So God himself fathered humanity's Savior, and in this divine conception, Christ was carrying his Father's holy uh, unblemished blood, the only blood that qualified to take away our sins. In the Old Testament, the blood covered man's sin. In the New Testament, Jesus takes away our sin. When Adam transgressed God's word in the beginning, the penalty for his transgression was death. But God chose a higher law. He, the, there was a law called the law of sin and death. But God chose a law, higher law called the law of love. He exercised that love because his nature is love. Everybody say amen. I wrote this down. Love always provides another way. Write that down. Love always provides another way. It's very important that you hear that. Amen. Love always provides another way. Hallelujah. Romans, um, excuse me, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. It's always been that. And that word death means eternal, everlasting life, which is why Jesus came to reverse that curse. But when Paul wrote that, he said the, 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 uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And again, I'm grateful for that promise. Now, I want to talk about something specifically today that's going to bless you and inspire you. And, and, and it's regarding um, uh, the blood of Christ and the love of Christ. Now, Leviticus 17 11 says, The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar. And then he tells us why. It says, To make atonement for your souls. That word atonement actually means to appease and satisfy. To satisfy what? The penalty for man's transgression, which was eternal damnation, eternally separated from God forever. That's why, you know, again, I do believe that there's a hell. It was never made for man. It was only made for the devil and his angels. But because God gave man a free will, you can will to accept God's love or reject it. It's up to you. And many people do reject it. And that's a sad thing because once you step into eternity, there's no purgatory and there's no second chance. So you have to get it on this side, which, which uh, means you and I have a job to do. And that is to fulfill our ministry of reconciliation. Again, say amen to that. So Moses continues, he says this, for it is the blood that makes atonement for your soul. Amen. Or the blood appeases, has appeased uh, uh, and satisfied justice so that you can have right standing with God. Now, I, I wrote this down. You've got to write this down because it, this is what I'm focused on this morning. Blood has always been the foundational life of man's salvation. Ultimately, the blood of Christ, of course, you know. 
Let's say it again. Blood has always been the foundational life of man's salvation, while love has always been the foundational strength of man's salvation. Leave that up there for you. Copy that. That's important. Blood has always been. This is God speaking now. He spoke this to me. Uh, he spoke this to me. He spoke this specifically to me this week. He said, "Blood has always been the foundational life of man's salvation, while love has always been the foundational strength of man's salvation." Not good. Chew on that for a little bit because you have to sometimes. When God says something, you have to stop and think about it. Okay. All right. That's good, Lord. That's good. Say that's good, Lord. In Genesis 4, oh, oh, or we could say it this way. Put this up. Next one. While the life of the flesh is in the blood of Christ, the life of one spirit is in the love of Christ. <laughs> okay. I'm more excited about it than you. I mean, is that powerful? While the life of the flesh is in the blood. Why? Because every expression of sin comes through what? Comes through the flesh. If you were out of this flesh... Let me ask you something. As a born-again child of God, if you were out of this flesh, would you be sinning? Of course, there'd be no temptation. Of course not. There'd be no, there'd be no, if you're free from this body, you're free from sin and death. Oh, man. This is good stuff. So while the life of the flesh is in the blood of Christ, the life of one spirit is in the love of Christ. All right, we'll use an example. Oh, this is good stuff. I got so blessed on this. I said, like, God, you're so, I didn't get this out of a book. I mean, <laughs> I got it out of the book. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I better be clear on that. I got this out of the book. All right. Genesis 4. Here's our example. Adam's first two offsprings were son, sons, Cain and Abel. You know that. Professionally, Cain was a farmer, and Abel was a sheep herder or a shepherd, okay? God designed it that way so that they would always be dependent on one another. Whether you realize it or not, you are dependent on the one next to you, and they're dependent on you. God made it that way, okay? We need each other whether we like it or not. Cain had what Abel needed. Abel had what Cain needed. Cain was a farmer. Abel needed the crops. Abel was a sheep herder. Cain needed the sheep, especially for sacrifice. Can I have an amen to that? Yeah. Amen. However, what they were both in need of, see, that was all external needs. But what they were in need of, listen to this, was the responsibility, what they were responsible over actually was their internal needs, specifically the relational side of life, the relational side of life. They had the natural, fine, but it was the spiritual that they were being challenged in. Because you know, if you read the scriptures, they had ought against one another. Or excuse me, especially uh, Cain, okay? So they were both responsible for their spiritual relationship with God, their creator, and responsible over their um, uh, uh, relationships with one another as blood covenant brothers. It's, 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 just hang in here, okay? We're talking about relationships. Verse 3 and 4, both sons brought an offering to the Lord. One, uh, uh, Abel's offering was accepted. Cain's offering was rejected. And what we need to know is why. Because I've always taught that it was rejected because Abel offered a blood sacrifice and Cain offered a natural sacrifice, but that had nothing to do with it. Okay, it had something to do with it, but it wasn't the true reason. And again, I love to learn. How many love to learn? Why? Because it brings us closer to God. Okay? So hang in here with me. We'll, we'll get this together. All right. <clears throat> 
So they brought an offering, and we don't know why Abel's was accepted and Cain's was rejected. So listen to this. It wasn't what they brought to God, but it was how they brought it to God. Hebrews 11.4. Now, beautiful. What's the first two words? Say it again. By faith. So you know that if he had to bring an offering by faith, his natural human reasoning was trying to override that. My brother is a complete knothead. I'm not my natural brother. I'm just saying this was going through Abel's mind probably. The guy is such a jerk. We're always, he's always button heads about everything. We're always in contention. So what am I going to do? By faith. By faith. See, Abel didn't get into the same boat as Cain was in. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about attitude. I'm talking about thinking. I'm talking about speaking. Okay? By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness. That word witness means evidence. Remember, if you have an accident, or oh, we had a witness that saw it, and he's got evidence to confirm that it wasn't my fault. All right. By which he obtained witness or evidence that he was righteous or right standing with God. God testifying of his gifts, plural. That always stumped me, gifts, plural. So Abel brought more than one gift. Come on. So we always thought he brought one gift. What was the gift he brought? Anybody know? Say it was a firstborn. Yeah, it was the firstborn of his flock. Uh, of his flock. He, he bought a first. So we always thought it was just one gift, but it was two gifts. We'll look at that in a second. And by it, or by the evidence, or by the witness, he being dead yet speaks. And I thought, Lord, what never dies? God. And what does 1 John 4 say that God is? 1 John 4, 7, Tim. Thank you. God is love. We'll look at that verse in a moment. So, so he saying that witness or evidence is still living. It's still speaking. Okay, let's go on. So was the evidence God witnessed in Abel's life, what was the evidence God witnessed in Abel's life that confirmed he was a right standing with God? It was God's love emanating from his life. That's why he loved his brother by faith. Do you all believe that? If you love someone by faith, you're still loving them? If you forgive somebody, but God did that years ago to me. God, guy filed bankruptcy on me, on me against me. He left me $13,000 of his debt because I was a co-signer of a note. It took us seven years to pay that $13,000 off. And it, and it came at a wonderful time when we were starting this church. And I could have been embittered by that. And I'm driving on the road one day in my truck. And I'm telling you the truth. I've never changed. This has never altered from my telling this story. It is the truth. I'm driving down the road in my truck. And I'm mauling over this wonderful man. And as I'm mauling over what he did, God said to me very strongly, I heard it as I'm talking to you. That house loud, it came in my spirit. He said, you forgive him. And I mean, that jerked my chain. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I forgive him. I forgive him by faith. And that was it, man. It was over. I said, it was over. Never brought up again. Never talked about it again. And God, I mean, I mean, as small as we were, kind of money coming in, it was very, very hard, but God provided, and the rest is history. 
But God taught me that day that you have to forgive. So I forgave by faith. So throughout the years, many people have come to me and said, how do I forgive this person for this and that? Yet you do it by faith. Say, I forgive by faith. You have to. Do you know why? God does that for you. <laughs> okay, that went over big. Hallelujah. So the gifts Cain and Abel were bringing to God were relational gifts. This is what the Lord said to me. They were relational gifts. I want you to catch this. The gifts that they were offering to God that day were relational gifts. I want you to hear this. They were relational, okay? It was God's love that bound Cain and Abel together. And when Cain stepped out of love with his brother, it severed his relationship with God. Even to the point, it was so critical that God came to him to talk to him about it, but he had so rooted, was so rooted in offense that he couldn't return, couldn't retreat. He took his brother out in the field and killed him. So this is how strong these things can be in one's life. So Cain, oh, let's read verse, okay, so read First John. I gotta read this, this is powerful, because it confirms everything we're talking about today. And this is where we will, we will end. We're going to end here in 1 John, okay? So hang on. 1 John, the first chapter, and we're going to read this. And God is so awesome how he so shows us the truth. 1 John. Oh, I was in 1 John. Okay. <clears throat> Here's verse 1. Now that which was from the beginning. Now anytime you hear that word, everybody look at me, stay focused. Every time you heard from the beginning, that means Genesis, so just remember that. Anytime you see that word from the beginning, that's Genesis, okay? All right. Which we have heard, that which was from the beginning, Jesus was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Keep going. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and we bear witness. Now, Paul had not, remember Paul, Paul was introduced to Jesus through a vision. But Paul wasn't, Paul wasn't around when Jesus was alive. I mean, he was around, excuse me, he was around, but it had never been introduced to him. Okay, all right. And so, so for the life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us and to you also. Now watch this. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship. So it's relational now. Fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. If that is the same with you, say amen. amen. Let's go on. And these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. All right. A couple of you smiled. Your joy may be full. Then this is the mess. This then is the message we have heard of him. And declaring to you that God is light, watch this, and in him is no darkness at all. Go on. Now, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now, he's, remember now, he's talking about relationships. So, he says, if we have fellowship with him and we don't have fellowship with others, we're walking in darkness. Or our fellowship has been severed. Whether we like it or not, we're walking in darkness. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with who? With who? One another. One another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now listen. But if we're not in fellowship with one another, the blood of Jesus Christ does not cleanse us from our sins. 
If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's true. Now, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's relational sins he's talking about there. Let's go on. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. Now, so Cain, why was Cain's offering rejected and Abel's accepted? For this very reason. Cain's offering was rejected because it was tainted with envy, jealousy, strife, backbiting, dissension, animosity, offense, hatred, and unforgiveness. And instead of humbling himself before God, repenting with true repentance, he became obstinate, rebellious, and so hard-hearted that even when God came to him, he couldn't turn him. God came to him and he couldn't turn him. That's how powerful the human will is. Now, chapter 3 of 1 John 8. Now, he who, and this is amplified because it's, it, it, I like the way it lays it out. Now, he who commits sin, well, watch this, who practices evil doing. Again, it's relational, fellowship with Father and fellowship with one another, okay? That's what he's talking about. Now, he who commits or practices evil doing is of the devil, or he takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned or violated the divine law from the beginning. That's, that's again, Genesis. The reason the Son of God was manifest, what, what, why? It was, to, it was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. And what were the works? That was plural. What were the works was that Satan was instigating from the very beginning? It was to separate us from our eternal union with God and one another. There had to have been some divide between Abel, between Adam and his wife. There had to have been a beginning of some divide for him to allow her to do what she did. Division is such a powerful force. Division in marry, uh, marriage, division in uh, sibling relationships, division in church. It's, it's, it's such a powerful force. It literally destroys everything around it. So what is the spiritual force that brings us together at Christmas? It's God's love. God's love wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Can I have an amen? It's God's love. Let's, let's continue. This is verse 9. Now, no one begotten of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. For God's nature, which is love, abides in him... His principle of life, this divine sperm, remains permanently within him. And he cannot practice sinning because he's born or begotten of God. That's why life is so miserable for a believer. When they don't get things right. Miserable for a believer when you're living a compromised life because it's not in your DNA. But your will you subject your will to override the very nature of God on the inside of you. By this, by what? God's unconditional love. God's love exemplified. It is made clear who take their nature from God and are his children and who take their nature from the devil and are his children. No one who does not practice righteousness, who does not conform to God's will in purpose, thought, and action is of God. Neither is anyone who does not love his brother. So it's all in one package. 
why it just pains my heart why a church can't just simply die and stay together. Die to your rebellion. Die to your offenses. Die to your hurt feelings. Just, just let God keep chiseling away at your life till you become more Christ-like. I'm telling you, we wouldn't have to have 250 churches in Sioux Falls if the church would just stay together. And there's one starting every month, there's a church starting. And that's fine. I wish the pastors all the, I wish them the very best because it's hell. You are coming against every work of darkness when you're building the kingdom of God. You understand that? So you better be equipped. Let's go on. Neither is anyone who does not love his brother, his fellow believer in Christ. Watch this. For this is the message you have heard from the first. That's Genesis. He's talking about Genesis from the first. That's Genesis. That we should love one another and not be like Cain. Wow. He's writing to the born-again, spirit-filled believers, telling them that if they want to be, they can be like Cain. And not be like Cain who took his nature. If he took it, he didn't have it before he took it. He took his nature of rebellion, envy, jealousy, strife, backbiting, dissension, animosity, offense, hatred, and unforgiveness. And he got his motivation from the evil one and he killed his brother. And the reason is, why did he? The Bible says because his deeds, his activities, his works were wicked. They were twisted and malicious and his brothers were righteous. See, even God could not force Cain to love his brother. I've got, I've got a cousin. He's my age. We're just three months apart. And I went up to see him. He's in a nursing home. And my heart went out to him. Just such a heart of compassion went out to him. Why? Because for 30 years, this gentleman has confessed sickness and disease. Everything you could think of, he declared he had until he had all he declared. He's my age. He's my age. And he looks like he's 85 years old, 90. I mean, he looks, he looks like he's been to hell and back, which he probably has been. My heart went out to him. I got a brother that kind of has those same, these generational curses, you got to stop them in your life. Amen? You got to stop them in your life. You need to do it through your confession of faith. Same thing. My brother called me one day. He says, I have dementia. Well, we've got dementia and Alzheimer's all around us. I mean, it's all around our family. But in Jesus' name, we curse it from coming into my life, my son's life, and my grandson's life, and our granddaughter's lives. Can I have an amen? And our daughter's lives, and our son-in-law's lives. Amen. So I said, Scott, you got to stop saying that. What? I said, you may have gotten that from a doctor, but you got to stop confessing it. I, I know it brings attention, and I know that, you know, it brings a measure of empathy from other people because they don't really know. And, but I said, stop confessing it. Because, I mean, even if it's true, don't be declaring it. Don't be signing for the package. Yeah, and he's seven years younger than me. And he looks like he's 20 years older than me. But see, you have to be so careful that you don't take these stupid things that were spoken into your life from your parents because they didn't know better, and I loved my parents. But you got to stop it. And start declaring what God says about you, not what the enemy has been telling your, your, your former generations for, since 
Cain and Abel. <laughs> amen. I said amen. amen. Now we're going to read 1 John 2, verse 3. We're almost done. Oh, it's just so good. Hang in there. Are you getting something out of this this morning? This, this is so good. Watch this. And hereby we do know that we know him. Watch this. If, precondition to every promise of God, if we keep his commandments, there's the plural. There's the plural. Keep his commandments. Now, please don't let me forget to tell you what the two things or offerings that Abel brought to God. Okay? He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments... He that says, I know Jesus, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, in him, verily is the love of God perfected or brought to full maturity. Okay, now watch this. Hereby we know that we are in him. Why? Because it's evidenced by our love walk. He that saith he abides in him ought also himself also to walk even as Jesus walked. Well, how many believe that Jesus was the, he was love in the flesh? Amen. Brethren, I write you no new commandment unto you. I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, watch this, which you have had when? From the beginning. That's Genesis. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. It's such stupid Christians saying, well, we're not under the old, old covenant. What is the old covenant? What is the new covenant? It's right here. So what was the old command? Deuteronomy 6, 5. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Pretty easy. Amen. I said amen. And then in verse 8 of 1 John 2, he says, again, a new commandment I write unto you. Watch this. Which thing is true in him, love, and in you, love. Because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. So what's the new commandment? Luke 10, verse, Luke 10, Jesus tells us. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do? What? No, hang on, this is powerful. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, if you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised the dead, you shall be saved. Well, maybe there's a little more to it than that. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said, well, what is written in the law? How do you read the old commandment? What does the old commandment say? He answered and said, well, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all thy soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said to him, thou hast answered right. Do this and you shall live. You'll have eternal life if you do this. Did you know in Romans, oh, there's so many things, there's so many fun things. In Romans 2, the Bible says, he's not a Jew that is one outwardly, but one that is one inwardly. And he said this, what if, what if I, not being a Jew, keep the law? Will I not be justified like the Jew? They go, hmm. I bet uh, you'll be shocked to the people out there in the world that carry the nature of God, and you don't think they're born again, but love emanates from their lives. See, we get so caught up in specific words. God gets caught up in actions. First John 2, verse 9. He that saith he's in the light and hates. Now, that word hate means to detest, especially to persecute. That's what the word hate means, okay? 
Okay, so he, he that saith he's in the light and detests, especially persecutes his brother, is in darkness even until now. Now he that loves his brother abides in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Isn't that beautiful? But he that detests and persecutes his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness, watch this, and knows not whither he goes because that darkness has blinded his eyes. It's always someone else's fault. Always someone else, not mine, always someone else's. That, that just never works. It never has worked. Remember, remember what Adam said to, to God? Oh, it's the woman that you gave me. <laughs> this, this little thing right here, she's what caused all this. And God didn't think it was very funny. So we've been blaming others. Verse, now this is 1 John 4. This is the last of 1 John. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son, which, who is love, into the world, that we might live or love through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the, to be the propitiation for our sins. So, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. See, that's what the message of Christmas is all about. It's God's love given to us through his son. Amen? So it wasn't what Cain brought as much as how he brought it. It wasn't what Abel brought, but it was how he brought it. Abel's offering was filled with the fragrance of God's love, compassion, and Goodness and mercy, Cain's offering reeked with the stench of maliciousness and dissension. And because it was a relational offering of love, Abel's was accepted, Cain's was rejected. Let me read this out of the Message Bible. It's beautiful. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. Why? It was what he believed, not what he brought. It's what he believed. He believed that if he stayed in love, things would turn out okay. Now, we know that he lost his natural life, but he didn't lose his eternal life. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. It's what he believed, not what he brought that made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as righteous. After all these centuries, that belief, that belief, God's love, that God's love never fails, continues to catch our notice. So it is with us. Every time we come to God, now listen, every time you come to God, you better have your heart right. That's why Paul says when you take communion, you make sure you get things right inwardly when you take communion. Otherwise, there's been a lot of people that died immaturely because they didn't fix the inside. And I'm telling you right now, every one of us have to judge our hearts regarding this. Because a loving family is a strong family. A loving church is a strong church. Can I have an amen? amen? Thank you, God. Every time we come to God, it's what we bring him. Not how, it's, it's not what we bring him, it's how we bring it. If we enter his presence with warfare raging within, and we're plagued inwardly by 
all the fleshly behaviors of bitterness and envy, jealousy, unforgiveness, etc., God will reject our worship. However, if we bring him an offering of love, reverence, humility, and thanksgiving and self-judgment, God will accept it and bless it. I want my musicians to come forward. Please write this down. Bring that up there. Watch this. When there's no love in your life, there's no life in his blood. When there's no love in your life, there's no life in his blood. It's not benefiting you. So you really have to stop and think how valuable it is regarding your love relationship, whether you accept it and walk in it or not. Very, very important. I'll, I'll read this last thing. I wrote it down. I re- said it earlier. Christ's blood is the foundational life of your salvation, but his love is the foundational strength of your salvation. Bow your head. We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Say, love always finds another way. It really, it, it, it really does. It really does. And I think this message was for today. Why? Because we're celebrating the greatest event in human history. And, and I, I just praise God for it. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 10 o'clock. We also have our midweek service every week on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.